Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Hey, Merry Christmas. It's coming up really soon, right? Just a quick, like, show of hands. How many of you guys are just like, you're tapped out, you're done with all of the shopping? Anyone? Cool. We are. My family, well, maybe not extended family. We're done with my, you know, in our house presence now. So we got that done. That, that's great. Typically what happens uh, is we, it's like December 23rd, and we start counting all of the presents and realize that one child got outed. Like, it's just not even. And then Kate freaks out because Kate is a huge on, like, everything needs to be even. And so then we're, like, scrambling. And I'm like, oh, I'll go in the middle of the night to Walmart. And we'll find, because it has to be even. But we did all of that yesterday. And so we're, we're, we're prepped. We're ready. Uh, so I, I'm excited, though. I have lit the joy candle. If you've been with us, uh, we're, we're having some fun, uh, traditional yet also, um, you know, modern little take on Advent. If you know what that word means, great. Oh, this way, sorry. Uh, one of our children's ministry kiddos uh, accidentally tripped and tripped and tripped, and it was like a domino effect busting this TV. Uh, that's okay. Um, it was at a pastor's network meeting where one pastor came up and said, I, am, I wrote a check for you guys to get bigger TVs because I can't see from back there. And I was like, cool. So he wrote us a check for new TVs and then one broke. So there we go. Uh, so yeah, glory. So uh, big TVs are going to be found next week. Okay. Just right here. Uh, so you can, you can read and I know it's a problem. All right. I get it. I'm back there and I'm like, worship. What word, what word is that? Um, so I feel it. But next week you will be able to see but we are in this season of Advent, and it is all about waiting uh, for the coming of the Lord, uh, taking ownership of what he has brought, but also just expecting him to come in fullness. And so there's fun little uh, themes of Advent. It's that Jesus came uh, with hope, but he's also, we hope that he will come and fulfill that which we are hoping for. And so there's this awkward in between. So that's theme one. And then last week we dove into peace, that the Prince of Peace came. And so we, wrote, we lit the hope candle week one. Uh, the Prince of Peace came, the peace candle. And he established peace on earth, but it's also this not yet. That we, we ha teeter in this chaos and peace. We are established firm in him, but at the same time, like my mind goes crazy. And so we hope in the day that he will bring peace for joy for, for forever. And then this last one, joy. Here we are right here on week joy that there's this, uh, right, this word that came to, to the, the uh, Mary, right, the, the Mary, uh, the shepherds, the wise men. We have good news of great joy that a baby has come and it's for all people. And so joy was set firm but it's also this not yet. And so we're sitting in this this morning. In fact, we sing the song, uh, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. How many of you like that song? Uh, funny little thing, we sing it, but we don't really know where that came from. Did you know that that's actually like scripture? Uh, just like out of curiosity, how many of you are confident in knowing where in scripture 
the joy of the Lord is your strength comes from. Anyone like, anyone confident in that? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Hey, it's okay. It's from Nehemiah. All right? No one thought that. But that's where we're going into this morning because I think it will, it will glean for us some context that then Jesus fits in perfectly and it's mind blown. When we allow the joy of the Lord to actually be our strength and to see what that meant when Nehemiah spoke it, proclaimed it to the people, and then what it looked like when Jesus came as a baby and then walked this earth, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so here it is. Um, we are going to open up to Nehemiah chapter 8. None of you thought that. None of you are like, some of you are even like, is that a book in the Bible? It is. Uh, you can use it on your version app. You can find it in the actual Bible, uh, like your printed ones. So Nehemiah chapter 8. And it's really cool. Let me just showcase for you. The people of God have finally got the upper hand. And there's this, this fun push and pull of Israel for for centuries of being able to establish themselves and then falling. And it just constantly happens. Uh, but Nehemiah began where Nehemiah felt the, the, the prophet, we could say, the leader of this. Uh, he, he will he will he will assign a priest, and you'll you'll hear that person's name soon. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but Nehemiah said, We will build for our people the wall of Jerusalem again. And so they began building, and finally it ended, and they called all the people together. And in, the build, in building this whole process, they also found the scrolls and the readings. And so they were like, we are going to do this by the book. So they set up everyone, and they began reading in chapter 8 to the people. And all the people stood up, and it was this great assembly of thousands of people. I don't even understand how they could organize it that much. But what it would be... Obviously, I have a microphone, but this is really cool. They would speak it, then the next person and the next group would speak it, and then the next person, and it would just take forever. Can you imagine how long it would take for me to speak to the group of people that can hear my voice, but then the next person who got that now would retell it, to, and it would just go on like that, and on and on and on as they read the words of the Lord. And so we're going to pick up at, at verse 9, because something happened as they were reading. It says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor of the people, he set up Ezra the priest and the scribe, and he had the Levites who taught all the people and said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. So do not mourn or weep. And what was happening was the people of God were hearing this. Their hands, it says they were lifting up hands and saying amen earlier on in the chapter. And then they just started weeping and wailing. I don't know about, have you ever come to a moment when you were just reading the word of God or had that moment at a me like a church camp little experience where Jesus just and you just weep and you're like I am nothing in comparison to you like it, th that's the the feeling that was spread throughout but it was a little deeper because this wasn't a righteous weeping this was a little bit of a uh, we are sinful and there's no hope weeping and so into that into that this is what happens it says Nehemiah the governor uh, they said do not weep do not mourn, for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Verse 10, it says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. 
And it says, uh, verse 12, and all of the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood finally the words that had been declared to them. Now, you're like, what? We're going to have to read in between the lines a bit. Because I can say, hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength and be at peace. Peace out. And then be done. And you're like, I don't, how do I, that doesn't make sense with me. But what was happening is this is the festival of the booths is what was taking place in this time. This is why they were to rejoice. And literally what the festival of the booths was were with this beautiful time. And anyone, like one day when I get land, we, we're, we've been on the market for land. One day when we have that, I'm going to invite anyone who wants to come and we can have fun celebrating for a night, not a week, but a night, the festival of the booths, because that would be a lot of fun. But what they do, they build these little, little, uh, tents out of wood and put uh, branches on the top, and it's supposed to be not very structurally sound, and it's supposed to not keep the rain out. Um, it's, it's, a, it's supposed to cause you to be uncomfortable. And they would rejoice, and they would have a meal together, and this is something they were supposed to do every year during the Festival of the Booths for seven days, sleep in that, eat in it, and celebrate. Like, that's, that's some crazy party. Like, that's, that's there's... There's some rejoicing, and the reason they were to do it, you have to hear this, the reason they were to do it was to remind all the people of when they were lost in the wilderness and the Lord provided. So it was this huge time for them to get out of their comfort and remember when they were in the night sky trusting that the Lord will provide. Why does that matter? Because he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The interesting thing about the word strength is not like your, your biceps. It's not your power, your might. That word strength means it is your refuge, your protection. The joy of the Lord is your protection. So what I want you to do right now, instead of weeping and wailing because you heard the word, no, get to know him. Let's go celebrate the fact that rain could come. You could get cold tonight. It could mess up all of your food, but the joy of the Lord is your tent. It is your refuge. It is your protection. The really cool thing, if you want to like bring it into the New Testament, uh, write this down. The joy of the Lord, literally the word strength, it's the armor that someone would wear, an, uh, a soldier would wear over their head. That's what the word strength means in this. It's the protection of the head, which we would later, you know, have anyone heard the helmet of salvation? Do you remember that time when David said, return to me the joy of your salvation? This is beautiful little hook. David knew joy comes when I stand in your deliverance, when I stand in your provision. That's where joy is. Joy is my protection. Return me to the joy of my salvation, of what you've done. Some of us, we walk around without the armor, you know, where it says, hey, be prepared. When I was a high schooler, I struggled a whole lot with, uh, with, with shame, anyone, with, with not feeling like I was good enough. There was a whole lot of sins that I was trying to move out of as a senior in high school, and I'm trying to just now get my life together. I was joining the worship team. I was playing the drum set, and, and I was leading small groups, and I was like, my life is a mess, God. How can you work in me? 
And one of the, the scriptures was uh, the message version, forgive me, but the message version of Ephesians 6, and it just says, I must be prepared. I am up against far more than I can handle on my own. I will take all the help that I can get, every weapon that you have issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, I'll still be standing. You have to realize one of the armors, one of the weapons, is the helmet of salvation. It keeps us protected so that we can see. The helmet of salvation is intimately connected with the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is our helmet. It is. And so the people walked away and they understood. They were like, let's go eat. Let's do it. Wiping their tears away, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to smile because the joy of the Lord is my protection. Now, it's interesting, uh, the joy of the Lord is displayed in many times. And one thing, and this isn't bad, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful phrase, but have you ever heard of like, I'm just not going to let that steal my joy? That's a fine phrase, but let's, let's attach it, let's assign it to whose joy it actually is. Uh, like, they're not, there's no way that anything or anyone could steal joy. Joy is already present. We just are either aware of it or not. So a fun thing that we can say instead is, I'm not going to let anything halt me from seeing his joy, from experiencing his joy. Because that thing's not stealing your joy. The enemy can't steal your joy. He can't touch joy. He flees at joy. So we got to realize that. So, but the interesting thing, the joy of the Lord, not the joy of the world. We, we, joy of the world sometimes looks like happiness, sometimes looks like that payday. It looks like that vacation. It looks like that relief or release. It, it's the joy of the world is that time when I get what I've been wanting and I can now use it. I can use it. The joy of the Lord is very different. He actually talks about it a lot. Like, have you ever thought, God, what do you find joyful? That's the joy of the Lord. God, what do you take delight in? We see this in scripture a whole lot. Did you know that creation, the word tov, T-O-V, it's a, it's a Hebrew word, when God made the light and he saw it was good, when God created the water and he saw it and he said it was good. That word good, actually, it's really cool. It says, worthy to be delighted in. It was it was rejoice worthy like that it was the the light that light i can take enjoyment in that god said that's his joy the joy is when god makes something joy is attached to it another time uh was zephaniah 3 he rejoices with loud singing he delights over his people his creation he takes joy over what he does there's prophecies saying of uh, one day he's going to come and there will be fullness of joy. One day he's going to come and all the nations will rejoice. Uh, then, obviously, then the angels come to the shepherds, to the Mary, right, and says, we have good news of great joy for all people. He's coming. And so I want to just intimately connect something to you because the joy of the Lord is really powerful. Write this down. Every time that God works in Scripture, speaks in Scripture, or moves in Scripture, the rational and radical, could you put that up for them? The rational and radical response is always carried with joy. So when God 
when God speaks, let there be light. I know, that's way over there, guys. I'm sorry. I could, I could do this fun little like, or you could look back behind you, uh, either one. Um, those who are on the podcast, you're going to be really confused by that jeet jeet. Uh, we just have one screen today. But it's, it's really beautiful because when God speaks creation to happen, and it does, carried with that is his joy. He takes joy in it. When he moves, when his word is spoken, the rational response is, I'm good, God says. That's good. And then he takes delight in it. It's rational. But it's also radical because what tends to happen then is a flurry of other joy. When God has joy, it ripple effects And then the world changes. And this is why God sent his son. It's intimately connected to the word. And I I just, uh, there's a reason. It makes sense if you think about it. Joy, unlike a lot of fruits of the spirit, can we all agree that joy is somehow carried by our mouth and our movements? Can we all just say, like, you cannot say that that person is joyful and not begin to, like, denote every little thing that they do, like uh, their smile is joyful, the way that they light up a room is joyful, their voice is joyful, they just move joyfully, like what's going on? Uh, And I just, in everything, I start feeling joy because it's contagious, it's because the joy of the Lord is carried by words, by his movement, and by when he works. And the people of God, we carry that too. This is the joy of the Lord. It cannot be, it's not uh, outside of his words. It's not just this natural little fun thing with his words. No, when his words are seen, their joy is too. And so, John says, the word was with him in the beginning. The word was God, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, literally the word of God that was spoken, my son will come to you. He moved, and it's not with him comes joy. No, he is joy. And it's this beautiful piece of what we miss so much is that, like, uh, God, if I just had some joy right now, no, he's like, get to know me. You want to know joy? What are God's works in your day? Or do you just keep praying that God would work in your day? You know, like, what is his word? What is his word? You know a lot of other things, but do we know his word? We cannot actively experience joy if we don't hear him speak the very thing that carries his joy. His word carries his joy. And the joy of the Lord is my protection. You want to know why I get, I, there's these moments when bad things can happen. I don't even understand. Like, you remember that time when we had a vision lunch down in the basement? Uh, and there was just a lot going on. And we just had to keep going forward and communicate the, the glory of the Lord. The reason that can happen in such powerful ways, the reason we can keep moving forward is because overwhelmingly so, God protects us. Our mind is focused, 
Our heart is on what matters. And at the end of the day, what matters is not what I want. What matters is the beauty of the Lord's scene and for humanity to be valued, right? The joy of the Lord will never squash a human. The joy of the Lord will always speak refuge, speak deliverance. There's good news of great joy. It's beautiful. I, I also think of King David, like every single person uh, who encounters the Lord rejoices. The woman at the well rejoices. It, it's the natural experience that happens when we see God move. It's rational. Why wouldn't we? God, you are good, but it's also radical because then a whole city of Samaria is changed because of her stepping into the joy of the Lord. Like, it's beautiful. God, I want that. I wrote this. You want to know the joy of the Lord? Strive to know his works, his movements, and his words. Jeremiah writes this, and uh, it's Jeremiah 15. He says, your words, when I found them, I ate them. I consumed them. And your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart, for I am called by your name. Oh, Lord, God of hosts. Some of you don't have joy in your day. I don't, one of those moments when I did not have joy this past week. It's in those moments, God, I need to find your words. Where are your words? I need to consume your words right now because your words will be, I'm confident. I have story after story of your words becoming for me joy. And when I am in joy, I stand courageously knowing that I am called by your name. And then like, people are like, how? How? You see, I don't feel like I was very joyous when my mom died. But that was what I got over and over and over by people in my school. How can you have so much joy? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not smiling. Like, what's happening? Like, I don't feel like I, I mean, this is hard. But the beauty of Christ's followers is we can have sorrow and mourn, but express his joy. And it has nothing to do with the situation, but everything to do with what we're being found in. What we're being found in. And it's so it's beautiful. Uh, rejoice in the Lord. And I, I say this, I don't do that often. Definitely do not say, uh, this is the day that God has made. So I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Because this morning, I was really struggling. Uh, I had to wake up at 4 a.m. and I did not sleep very well because uh, there was so much going on in our church, literal building this past week. Uh, it's been like week after week. Um, we're finally going to get, by the way, Kate and I, that um, massage that you guys gifted us with like, you know, months ago. It's finally happening this week because we're just like, we need, we need something. I got some extra. I have some extra bumps for them to work on. Uh, but I, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I think the reason we don't do that is because the enemy, he works hard to halt our involvement with God's joy. And I was very, I'm going to say, you need to write this down. He works hard to halt my involvement in God's joy. Because what I need you to hear is even if you don't feel joy, joy is still there. Even if you don't feel joy, it's still there. And so the enemy's not stealing your joy. No, it's still there. It's nothing he can take and grab can touch. But what he can do is halt. Your, he can halt your involvement with what God is doing. 
with the joy of the Lord. And that is where we are stepping into because often like uh, we believe the opposite of joy is sorrow. But as I told you, you could have both. So they can't be the opposite. We often think the opposite of joy is hopelessness or sadness or depression. I thought of a really good biblical definition of joy, and then I Googled it to make sure that other people thought that too. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever do that? Like sometimes, God, is this, is this real? And then I Google, I'm like, oh, okay, I feel better about myself. So I believe the opposite of biblical, scriptural, spirit-filled joy is actually unbelief. All right? It's unbelief. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give you a really powerful The mind that is not seeking refuge, seeking to be protected by God, is a mind that is believing a whole lot of wrong things. And it's, but I can keep going. Like I wrote it, they are susceptible to seeing and noticing so many things. It's interesting. Jesus said that, that his good news, the angel spoke, this good news is great news of great joy for all people. But guess what? The unbelievers don't consider it joy because what is going on in their life is in direct opposition to the joy of the Lord. I wrote this, those who do not believe, it means nothing. Does it mean that it isn't joyous? No, it's still joyous. It means that their mind has been hardened. Scripture says uh, that the enemy has veiled the mind of the non-believers, hardened their mind. I'll tell you how I know that this is the opposite of joy because both do a covering over the head. Think about it. Joy, like a helmet, protecting me and directing me to see clearly and to know him, and to speak with him, and to joyously dance with him. And then there's over here a veil of unbelief over me. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard. I don't know what's going on. And the cover of unbelief hardens our hearts. And so I I fully believe that there are areas that you still are hardened in, and they are the exact places that the Lord is trying to call you into his joy. But unbelief has hardened your experience of it. And think about both of them have, like think of of it, they both have very outward displays. The unbelief, (laughs) I wrote some of these, uh, the unbelief, it's a hardened mindset. It's sometimes when I have that face that's sour. Anyone have a sour face from your unbelief? Like, God's just not going to do this. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to fix it. Yeah, he's not going to do it. It changes your shoulders. Have you ever seen what you look like when you do not believe that God's going to carry it? Like, we, our whole body changes. Unbelief is the opposite of joy. It, cha- it is carried, unbelief is carried by your actions. Unbelief begins to be carried in the words that you say. Can you, like, I start complaining and those complaints are carrying my unbelief. It is the opposite of joy. I, I, get, I start moving in unbelief, I start working in unbelief, and that is the moment when the enemy is like, I've hardened them. I've halted them from participating in what they actually pff, 
they can freely participate in. But I've tricked them. I've tricked them. So again, I, I, I just have a few things and I want you to write down. What I believe is fascinating is both joy and unbelief can trump personality traits. And this is what I need, like, as we get into this, some of you are the peppy people. Your unbelief will trump the joy of the Lord. Like, it'll trump, it'll trump your personality. It'll be the time when your unbelief is not making you peppy. It is making you, you know, mean. And you're, you're like snarky. Your peppiness turns to snarkiness. The, the quiet people in the room, joy can overcome, can trump your quietness. This is the moment when, when you yell, yeah, God is good. Some of that you got, like, it's because no matter what your personality trait, the joy of the Lord will trump it. No matter what your personality trait, the unbelief of the Lord will trump your personality. You can, you can fake it for a bit, but we're going to start seeing it. It's going to come out because it trumps it. And so here's a few things. I, I wrote some things down, and then we're going to be done, and it'll be fun. But I think it's fascinating, like unbelief leads us to do a few things. It leads us to seek the approval of others. Where joy is free, David is dancing in the presence of anyone and he's like, you, you ashamed? I will make myself even more indignified than this. Watch me, because I don't care. Because the joy of the Lord is my, it's literally, like, I wish I had that, that ability to just put a blinder on and not see anything but the Lord. The beauty of that statement is we actually see more reality than the fearful, unbelieving person that is saying, I, I, but, if I, but if I do it, like, I could be, like, judged or I could be, like, hurt or I could be misunderstood. And unbelief begins seeking the approval of man. Squashes your joy. Another one, unbelief leads us to constantly compare ourselves. Joy stands in knowing my strength is in the Lord. Unbelief stands in knowing if I could just find something I'm strong in, then I'll be okay. I'm constantly comparing my, my, my lane with their lane, and I get stuck in it. And can we just, like, all speak when we compare we do not feel joy <laughs> at all. And the hard part is we're not even seeing clearly to even know what the real variables are. It's interesting. But another one, unbelief also <laughs> leads us to filling our plates with more because we're not happy what the Lord has given. And so some of you are like overly responsible people. And that's what I felt like this week was for me. Like I just kept, all right, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do more of so they don't have to think about things? But it's really, no, just can you delight in him? Can you delight in him? Because today's the day that the Lord has made. He has passed you a plate for you to eat, for you to take in and know that he is good. But see, unbelief, you can note those places of unbelief. Some of you have deep unbelief that the Lord will provide. And so you keep taking on more responsibility so you can do it. Instead of resting in his joy, standing in his joy. I, I don't, yeah, there's a rest and a stand that happens in joy. Another one, unbelief leads us to constantly dream and plan. Who this is me. For what is next. Because we are... we. 
We're not happy with what's now. We don't think we're good enough because of now. And that squashes our ability to stand, to dance, I will say, in his joy. I'm, I want, in 2023, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you the word. I almost did, band. I almost told him. I have a word that I've been praying for, for 2023. I'm not going to tell you yet, but I'm just going to let you know that I desire for our church to stand in the joy of the Lord, which means some of you need to start speaking because you have stood in unbelief. You're dreaming and planning. You're comparing. You are, you're seeking the approval of man, and it has squashed your praise. It, is halt, it has made you halt your participation in God's joy. Some of you need to start moving. You're so stoic. It's interesting. We'll get into this. Sometimes I got to move and my heart follows. Anyone ever feel that way? Like, I just got to move and my heart follows. You, those of you who work out buff, you know, like, you hate it at first, but then you get going and you're like, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a stride. But it's that hate it at first that we don't do. And so we never, we never, we never stand and create that contagious, contagious moment for other people. No, I'm going to take this moment. I'm just going to yell. I'm just going to dance. I'm just going to praise. I'm just going to change this atmosphere in my job because right now it is of death and it needs to be of joy. And so I will do that. But you have to move beyond the dreaming and the planning. You have to move beyond the, the comparing. And another one, I just want to tell you, unbelief often leads us to shackle ourselves again and again and again and again with our past sins. Like, again and again, the joy of the Lord, the helmet of salvation, is the one that says, I am new, holy, righteous in him. The helmet of the Lord says, I am made new in him. I have his salvation. He has redeemed me. But unbelief has covered us sometimes. And we believe, but I'm also just wretched. And I just keep doing the, and I'm, I should never have done that. I'm, I'm so angry that I still did that as a kid or as a child or I let that happen. And as we shackle ourselves with our past sins, unbelief sets in and we don't participate in joy. And so we have to realize on all of these, if you can realize this, in all of this, unbelief begins, us, begins to make us, sorry, feel stuck. We're stuck in disbelief, so we spiral in comparison. We're stuck in disbelief, so we fight for approval. We're stuck in disbelief, so we feel like just doing more things to gain more titles. We're stuck in disbelief, so we just dream and we worry about tomorrow. I keep pointing to this TV that's not there. <laughs> we dream and worry about tomorrow. We feel stuck in disbelief, so we sit on this like unwarranted weight of our past mistakes. We just, we feel stuck, and so we sit there. Every turn feels like we're in prison. I did this for a reason. I'm going to tell you right now, joy is all about, and I want you to just imagine this, joy is all about turning a prison into a refuge. That's what joy is all about, turning a prison into a refuge. I was reminded of this story this week because I thought I was going to live it, um, I was, I was uh, 
yeah, we had a fun instance. And I was like, I'm just going to pray over this place. And uh, we had a whole lot of people who don't believe in God, uh, nor the things that they sell believe in God in this place uh, on, on Wednesday. It, was, it made me realize that when we do a small business like expo and host it as our church, sometimes we need to just like check what some of the things that the people are selling. So I'm like, no spirit has authority in here but the spirit of the holy God. Like, and so I just had to pray that because there was a lot going on. But I just thought of that time when Paul and Silas go, and there's a woman, a fortune teller, uh, you know, and, and they pray the spirit out, and they get thrown in prison. And they get thrown in prison. And so while they're there in prison, it says this in Acts, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, can we j- that word hymn has just distracted some of you because you're like, you know, it, it now is taking a level of joy down. But they were praising God in the prison. And soon, I will tell you, joy is all about turning prisons into refuges. Because what's about to happen, uh, a refuge, and it's beautiful, what's about to happen is the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So they decided to pray. And I don't know what you're like going through, but you want, you know, an action that you can do that will have your heart follow. When you are stuck in unbelief, decide to pray. When you're stuck in unbelief, start speaking the truths of God that combat that unbelief. When you're starting to sit in unbelief, decide, I am going to praise. Some of you, like, you've got to sing. Like, that's just not a thing for the good singers. I I get it. Like, you, you just feel awkward. I get it. But there is a reason the Lord has given you a voice. If God Almighty sings over you, and that is what carries his joy, you've got to get over yourself. Okay, dude? Like, real men sing. Okay? It, it is. And you will never stand in the joy of the Lord if you close your mouth and mute. It's interesting, though, because they did that. They decided the only rational thing to do right now is to say that God is good. I'm in prison, and all that makes sense to me is that God is good. Some of you need The only rational thing to do right now is God is good. I don't know anything going on in my life, but one thing I do know, it's very rational. I'm just going to praise him, and we're going to see what happens. And then the radical happens, and literal prison walls fall down. A prison becomes a refuge, and it's beautiful. It is beautiful. You want some prison walls to fall down? What you will realize, and this is the the lie of the enemy, what you will realize is the prison walls that you often feel like you're stuck in are man-made and by your own perception. They're man-made. And the reason they fall in joy is because they are held by your unbelief and spoken by the lies of the enemy. But in joy, they don't exist. That's what I mean. Like, quite literally, your walls that prohibit you from being courageous. He's not giving you a spirit of fear or timidity. Like, right? He has given you what, like, your walls will not be there. They will cease 
when we bring praise into it. It just happens. Or you can keep in them. It's like your decision. But I'm going to choose joy. Like, you know, it is your decision. But I will take my Silas. And you want to want to be a Silas to my Paul? And we can sing in the prison and see what happens. Because really cool things. The story continues. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because he's like, I'm going to die. Because all these prisoners are going to be gone, and I'm going to lose my job and my life and my family. I've got to die. But Paul cries out with a loud voice, do not harm, your, harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights to be turned on, and he rushed in. And it says, with trembling and fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, I don't know why, but sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe. You want to move from unbelief into joy? Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And it says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in. They spoke and carried with the words of the Lord was the experience of joy. And it says, if you kept reading, they were all baptized, changed. It is powerful. What I do want to see, though, is many of you think practically if you were in jail and the walls fell, you would run. That's the showing that you do not believe that the place you're in now can be a refuge. Think about that. If this issue would end in my life, I would just keep moving forward. And sometimes the Lord's like, no, I need you to realize the walls can fall down and it can be good in joy. Their disbelief would have caused them to escape. It would have showed them that they believed that Rome was more powerful, that they believed that, that they could be stuck and hidden and locked away. But instead, their belief was, even if they try it again, it will break. Because I, I, this is a refuge. And does that make sense? I'm, others, I'm going to keep moving because some of you it hit. Others of you are like, what did he say? But it's the ones that hit need to hear that. You would run if the walls fell down. And that's a, that is the display of your unbelief. You would run. So say, God, in this, I will stay and I will sing. Because it's going to be in it that you will be in proximity to the people that need to hear it. And they will be changed. So God, in this place right now, I just pray joy. I pray joy. I pray joy. The fact is that your joy is present in this room. But right now, I pray in, in, in your name, God, and with your, with your authority, I command the enemy to be silent so that the children of you, the children of God, can take a note of their life. Like, is there something that I have been sitting in disbelief in? 
I have been claiming this will never be, where I've been comparing, where I've been seeking the approval, where I've been stuck, I've been looking at my past sins, I have been just in bondage in this. God, will you just remind them to sing? To sing. When I'm in a place of disbelief, I will sing. I don't see it yet, but I know it will be. I had a conversation with someone this week and they said, I find joy in knowing, maybe I don't see it yet, but I know it will be. Is that okay? They said, is that okay? And I said, literally, you are holding on to the enduring word of God, knowing that what he speaks will come to pass because when he speaks carried with it is his joy. So I'm just gonna invite all of you. I want you to like, as your eyes are closed, like what is that place of disbelief? Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.